You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you're a 415-er, 415 you're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415, hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. Going on, everyone. Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast. As always, on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network at 95.7 The Game. Please download the Odyssey app, rate us, subscribe to us there. Mark Grandy, Evan Giddings with you as always, coming at you twice a week here in the offseason. Mark, we're going to be getting into a couple of 49ers that we feel like need to take off in the upcoming Mm -hmm. season in 2023. We're going to be discussing uh, some of the offensive rankings that we've seen surrounding the 49ers, what we, I don't know, maybe think is fair or foul about them, and then we'll have some fun towards the end getting into our favorite, best, most ridiculous, whatever you want to call it, off-season rumor. Uh, But before we dive headfirst into all that, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, enjoyed a nice weekend out of town, which was good. Back back in the city, of course, though, can't be gone for too long. Uh, enjoyed Father's Day. Didn't get to see my dad. They were out on a trip, actually, my parents were. So I didn't get to see my dad on Father's Day, but gave him a call, talked to him for a while. Didn't talk Niners with him because it is a little bit of a, a downtime, uh, but managed to talk some some Giants with my dad as, as they're playing great baseball right now. But Overall, I'm doing well. It was a good weekend. Good to be back in town. But uh, how about you? How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, doing well. Happy Father's Day, belatedly, to all of those out there that uh, recognize their fathers, their (laughs) grandfathers, their sons. Uh, You and I, of course, are still waiting on the latter part of that (laughs) journey, but we'll try and keep it that way. And no, yeah, my my dad's not in town either. Uh, He's actually across the pond over in Europe, so called him as he was going to sleep. Uh, not a whole lot of sports during his day, but if he was back home, I imagine he would either be at a game or be listening to a game or something along those lines, uh, whether it's golf or baseball, all that good stuff. Uh, but you're right. The 49ers don't exactly have a lot going on, Mark, but we do have some things to discuss as always. And, you know, had an opportunity this week to kind of think about some of, uh, you know, our conversations, the direction of our podcast, where we wanted this episode to go. And, I just kept coming back to the, that that Brandon Ayuk quote about taking off. And so decided we could kind of pitch the question, like which 49ers need to take off in the 2023 season? And I think there's a lot of different ways you could go with it, different ways you could define taking off. Uh, but it's kind of funny because I feel like the, one of the few people that I don't believe actually needs to take off <laughs> is the guy who said it himself, Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, I don't think the 49ers absolutely need Ayuk to have a fantastic season uh, to have success. I think their offense, as we'll talk about in a little bit, is one of the best in the league, so they don't need Ayuk to just be the, the star of the show. Um, I do think there are some candidates on offense that we can get into, but honestly, for me, Evan, I'm going to go to the defensive side of the ball first. 
if he had to pick out one area of weakness aside from just depth, like a, a starting spot that is a little weak, you would probably pick the second cornerback spot, and that's likely going to be occupied by Diamond or Lenore. So for me, Evan, when you think of, all right, which player progressing beyond your expectations, which player improving, which player doing way better than he did in 2022 would have the biggest impact on the 49ers' success in 2023? For me, I think it's Diamond or Lenore. Without Jimmy Ward to play the nickel spot, um, there are uh, question marks there as well, but there's also a question mark at that second corner spot. Uh, I think Diamond or Lenore, one, I feel relatively confident that he's going to take a step forward. Now, who knows if it's going to be such a, a large step forward that you could, you know, qualify it as taking off. That that definition probably varies for, for most of us. Um, but I think he's going to take a step forward. And if he is to take a gigantic step forward, I think that has a gigantic impact on the 49ers defense as a whole. You already have one really good corner on the other side in Mooney Ward. Your safety position for the for the most part right now is is pretty locked up. Talanoa Hufanga, an all pro, a pro bowler. Tayshawn Gibson, a veteran who's going to be around likely for one more year. Your first pick in the draft this year it was not a first round pick, but it was your first pick. Jair Brown from Penn State getting rave reviews so far in the offseason. And then, of course, you know about the linebacking courts elite. You know about, you know, the, the four starters on the defensive line. Aside from J Drake Jackson, who, who might be a candidate for this segment, Evan, they're all stars there as well. So for me, I think it's Diamondor Lenore. If the 49ers happen to luck into another really good corner that they kind of pulled out of thin air late in the draft a couple of seasons ago, I think this defense suddenly th their ceiling becomes not only one of the best defenses in the league, but but by far the best defense in the NFL. That's how, I think, impactful a big jump from Diamond or Lenore can be for the 49ers, especially in a league nowadays, which is so pass-heavy. So for me, uh, if the 49ers are to, to accomplish everything that they want, I think Diamond or Lenore taking off uh, would be one way to get there. So so he's the first name for me that popped into my mind. Yeah, I think there's multiple ways you can interpret taking off. To me, if you're looking at a player that needs to make the biggest leap in order to be an impactful part of this upcoming season, I think it is the guy that you mentioned, Drake Jackson, towards mm. the end. Because he is probably going to be you know, considered the weak link just by process of elimination on that defensive end position on the D line, should he get the opportunity to start. And also I think because of the guys that filled that void last year that are now gone, because you look at a Charles Amenehue, you look at a Samson Ebukam, you look at even a Jordan Willis, all defensive ends or, you know, kind of the hybrid outside linebackers that, uh, were pass rushers primarily, and that rotated in to give that D'Amico Ryan-led defense a really, you know, a, a solid boost, an injection of life outside of Nick Bosa, who, of course, is playing all three downs. So, and Drake Jackson at this point has put on, you know, 15 pounds of muscle, and he's in the three plates club now, sure. and he has made all these physical leaps, and now it's about putting that on tape. It's about putting it on the field, and I think if he can do that and already 
stellar defensive line is going to give him more opportunities to do that. And so for me, Drake Jackson, I want to see a guy that, you know, last season had just under a 4% pressure rate take a leap up to a five or a six. That may not sound like a whole hell of a lot, but that number is going to result in even more pressure by that defense, which should help a player like Diamador Lenore look towards. And I think he needs to take off this year, Mark, just because of how important he is to the rest of that D-line. Yeah, no. Uh, th- I mean, that was the other candidate for me, at least on the defensive side of the football. He was uh, a part or a part of the defense last year, especially early in the year, that that exceeded expectations. But then things struggled for him, and he there were a lot of healthy scratches. He didn't play uh, healthy inactives, I should say, and he had you know not the best second half of his rookie year. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. And you're right, if he does take off. He locks up that second defensive end spot. He takes pressure off of Nick Bosa on one side. You have stars on the inside, specifically Javon Hargrave. Who are you going to double team? Who are you not going to double team? Who are you going to leave on single coverage? So I'm with you. If Drake Jackson takes off, this 49ers defense uh, takes another step forward and and they reach a different level. Um, I think you can also look to the offensive line Um, And I think specifically, I think there's probably three guys you could point to, Aaron Banks, Spencer Burford, and Colton McKivitz. You could probably maybe talk about Jake Brendel as well, but he seems to be the most established of the bunch. I think it's Aaron Banks. I I really believe in his potential in this league. Remember, he didn't start as a rookie, didn't really play at all as a rookie, and everyone is talking about how this was a a failed early-round pick. Uh, I can't believe that the 49ers made that selection, didn't play as a rookie, but came out last year and started every single game and held up for the most part. Wasn't great, wasn't elite by any stretch of the imagination, but he also wasn't bad. And for a first-year starter, second year out of college, I thought did a pretty good job. But if you are able to, if you're Aaron Banks, you take a a giant step forward, you quote-unquote take off alongside Trent Williams, suddenly the offensive line goes from a position of where you, you you kind of are questioning what it's going to to be and how good it's going to be. Can they protect Brock Purdy or whoever's throwing uh, passes for the 49ers this year? It's a question mark right now, and that, that's 100% fair, and, and we'll see how it does play out. But if someone like Aaron Banks can take a gigantic step forward, this offensive line becomes a position of strength. Now, there is still the right side of the offensive line, and, and you could pick someone else on the offensive line other than Aaron Banks. I don't know where your mind goes, um, but if Aaron Banks, I, I think probably of the group, is the most likely to have a, a big step forward, if that does happen, this offensive line transforms a bit for the 49ers. Yeah, I think my mind would first go to Colt McKivitz, just because I, I've seen enough of Banks, I've seen enough of Burford, I've even seen some of Brendel, but McKivitz in a starting role does still give me pause. Uh, the, the other place my mind goes to, so we talked about the first definition, which is someone that has the greatest room to leap, and Drake Jackson is kind of starting at the bottom of the barrel from that perspective, so I think he make a big leap. The other guy uh, on offense to me, Mark, is... You know, I'm, I'm looking at a guy that can realistically take a huge leap and, because he's shown it before. And it's a guy who's defined last season as awful. And that's mm. Debo Samuel. Like he 
he is the one. If we're talking about the position, you know, the skill position players, Brandon Ayuk saying, I, I'm going to take off this year. I think Debo Samuel is saying that too, and he needs to, not just because I think he's an important piece of this offense, but if you also look at the other receivers in his class, Mark, other guys that got paid, uh, those other guys have put together more than one quality season of football to which Debo Samuel, unfortunately, cannot say at this point. He can say he maybe had the best season out of all the guys in his class of the four years that he's played, but he hasn't put together consecutive ones yet or multiple ones. And I'm looking at A.J. Brown, who in his second season was a pro bowler, then regressed his third year in in Tennessee, had a change of scenery, became the number one weapon on the outside for a team that went to the Super Bowl. I'm looking at Terry McLaurin, who got paid in Washington, who's now put together multiple thousand-yard receiving seasons. And those are the kind of guys that Debo Samuel is going to be grouped with. I'm also looking at, of course, DK Metcalf in his own division, who, you know, out of Old Miss has put together some great years up in Seattle. Um, those are all guys that I feel like, even though Debo might have the better one season than them, they are more established at the, at this point in their careers. And so Debo, to me, needs to take off from both a team and an individual standpoint in order to prove that he's worth that $20 million a year, that he's worth that 72 and a half. If he has a similar season this coming year as he did in 2021, Evan, uh, this 49ers offense would be unstoppable because you expect Brandon Ayuk to improve. And this is why we're, we're having this segment, because he expects himself to take off. You expect that from Brandon Ayuk, maybe not a takeoff, but at least steady improvement as he's shown so far in his career. You get legit all-pro MVP material Debo Samuel. You pair that with Christian McCaffrey, with what you hope is a healthy Brock Purdy, with Brandon Ayuk, with George Kittle, with Trent Williams, with you know your Swiss Army knife in Kyle Juszczyk. That becomes the most... And the most difficult offense to stop, the most difficult offense to game plan for, the most frustrating offense to play against. Um, so if Debo Samuel has that kind of season in him, which I think would qualify as taking off when you look back at what he did last year, that um, would have a big impact on the 49ers. You're 100% right. That offense goes from mildly frustrating to the best offense in the NFL. doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. That's how special that group is if Debo Samuel returns to an all-pro level like he was in 2021. So good pick. It didn't come to my mind immediately because Debo Samuel has already reached that high. But you're right, considering it against last year, there is room still for him to make that jump once again like he did in 2021. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I almost just it, – it's hard to imagine what the offense would look like if Debo Samuel returns to that level um because you just simply never seen anything like that before in the NFL. Yeah, it's not necessarily taking off from a ground level, but it is more trying to, you know, go where you were before. I mean, take off from, from that sense and and reach that level that we all believe that Debo Samuel can get to. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network on 90, uh, with 95.7 The Game. That's Mark Grandy. I'm Evan Giddings. We're coming at you twice a week here. Please download the Odyssey app, rate, and subscribe to it while you're there. Um, well, that kind of leads into our, our next segment, Mark, which is this offense right now for the 49ers appears to be on paper pretty formidable, uh, but you caught wind of some rankings that ESPN put out that maybe didn't have them as high as some people might assume. Well, yeah. So I was working here at 95, seven, the game on our afternoon show. And as I mean, I don't know how, how uh, the audience views inside of radio stations, but basically you got television screens all over the place. So we've got all kinds of stuff going on around us. Uh, And ESPN was on and I saw Mina Kimes uh, ranking her top offenses in 2023. And it was, Obviously, something that's always kind of in the back of your mind, right? Like you're a football fan. This offense is the best offense in the league. Oh, they're definitely a top five offense in the NFL. And in my mind, I, I hadn't really broke it down game by or team by team yet. But this kind of got me thinking, where would I put the San Francisco 49ers? Uh, Mina Kimes on television ranked her top four. And I managed to track down uh, some of her other rankings as well. She did. She does a, a podcast with ESPN, which is which is always a, a fantastic listen. If you are a big football fan, she had the 49ers at number five, um, which I think is honestly probably pretty close to fair. I think there's a, a relatively clear top four, Evan. I don't know how you feel in no particular order for me. I mean, you have to have Kansas City up there. You have to have Philadelphia up there. You mentioned A.J. Brown just a little bit ago. That is a fearsome offense. Buffalo with Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs is incredible. And then Cincinnati, perhaps the best wide receiver room and one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. They're up there as well. I don't know if the 49ers are better than any of those four. But after that, Evan, I think you kind of have a group of maybe four others who are jockeying for that fifth spot. And considering the fact that the 49ers have Christian McCaffrey, considering what they did a relatively small window with Brock Purdy as the quarterback last year. I think I might slot the 49ers in at number five, the fifth best offense in the NFL. Obviously there's some room for growth considering Brock Purdy's relative inexperience. There's also maybe a a little bit more volatile for the 49ers, again, considering the inexperience at quarterback. I don't know how you feel, but I feel like the 49ers, the fifth best offense going into the 2023 season, that seems that seems pretty fair to me. Yeah, I think I would probably lean towards leaving them out of my top five, mm. but it wouldn't be by very much. I mean, it'd be sixth or, or maybe seventh. Uh, and honestly, the biggest detractor is, is the quarterback. I mean, yep. that, that's pretty much the easiest thing to knock. I also think the offensive line, I, I, I know that it's not the sexiest thing to talk about, but to me, when you stack it up against those other top teams that you just mentioned, it is kind of a glaring piece of this. And it's kind of funny how the 49ers offense 
is weak up the middle. If you talk about your center guards and then your quarterback, I guess the running back would, would offset that, but they get stronger as they move out from the football hmm. uh, significantly. But I'm with you that Kansas City, Buffalo, Philly, and Cincy are the top four, however you want to slice it. I think they all have every single piece you could hope for. And then because of the quarterback position, Mark, um, the the two teams really that I would consider ahead of the 49ers or right there would be the Los Angeles Chargers and the Dallas Cowboys. And the only reason I would have the Cowboys probably lower than the Niners is, I mean, I, I do think Dak Prescott's a more established quarterback, but they just lost their offensive coordinator. That's the one thing that the Niners do have going for them in this entire ranking, if you want to put it together, is they do have continuity on offense via Kyle Shanahan. Uh, the Chargers, I think, also have a top five quarterback. Like, I don't think it's a it's a you know a correlation, or I don't think it's a coincidence that my top five offenses are also led by my top five ranked quarterbacks yeah. in football. Uh, and that's unfortunately where the 49ers are deficient. So if they're sixth or they're seventh, to me, that points to how great the rest of the weapons and other position players are around the quarterback. And of course, the play calling of Kyle Shanahan must factor into it as well. But I would have them slightly outside of my top five, probably sixth. I think I'd give them the edge over Dallas. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, I'm I'm interested that you have the Chargers as high as you do. I mean, I'm obviously a huge Justin Herbert fan. I'll shout that from the rooftops whenever. Um, I don't know. I I mean, they have a ton of talent. You're right. I, I, I kind of feel like you're just you pick any one of these teams out and and whichever one you pick, you can make a case for at number five. For me, when I was first breaking this down, kind of the group of four. I feel bad and I'm not including the Chargers in this. So I'll say a group of five that I think are vying for perhaps that fifth spot. I think you have to include the Miami Dolphins in there with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell. You have a, an interesting backfield and Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. Of course, 49ers, relative unknowns before the 49ers. Um, but, you know, those two not bad running backs by any stretch. You throw into a tag of Iloa. The big question, of course, is health. If that happens, they're going to be a top five offense. If Tua stays healthy for a season, there's just no way they can't be considering the wideouts that they have. You mentioned Dallas. I agree. Brandon Cooks is a fantastic third wide receiver, which is what it looks like he will be there in Dallas. They finally went away from Zeke, which means more touches for Tony Pollard, who's one of the more explosive running backs in the NFL. Yeah, You mentioned the Chargers. That was I overlooked that at first, but I think you're right. The other team that I will throw in there that is vying for this title along with the 49ers and others for perhaps the fifth best offense in the NFL, it's one you'll like, led by a Golden Bear. It's the Detroit Lions. That offense is fun to watch. I know they they shook up their offense, specifically in the running back room. They drafted Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama, shocking everyone 12th overall. They traded DeAndre Swift away to the Eagles. Then they signed David Montgomery, the former running back for the Bears. But you still got Jared Goff. You still have Amon Ross St. Brown. You have Marvin Jones. You drafted another tight end out of Iowa, a la TJ Hawkinson. He's probably going to come in and be good uh, right away because that's just what Iowa does with tight ends. 
I really, really like the Detroit offense. And I know I'm getting away from the 49ers just a little bit, but I think there are there may be five teams fighting for that fifth spot. But a point you made is really interesting because you consider all of these players, all of these teams, maybe the Lions, not not so much. Jared Goff, obviously a quality quarterback, but is it on the level of a Justin Herbert and a Josh Allen and a Patrick Mahomes and a Joe Burrow? The 49ers legitimately have a top five, six, seven offense in the NFL, and they are starting a second round quarterback who was drafted with the last pick in the draft. Like that is just absolutely ridiculous. If you took out the quarterback position somehow, I know it's actually impossible to do this, but if you just took out the quarterback position from ranking offensive groups, you go offensive line, you go tight ends, you go wide receivers, you go running backs. I think the San Francisco 49ers far and away have the best group of players there, the best group of 10 players in the NFL. I know it probably gets weighed down a little bit by the offensive line because there are other teams out there that have better offensive lines. I'm not saying that. But the 49ers are lapping everyone else in the skill position department. It is insane how good they are at running back, wide receiver, and tight end. This offense is incredible. So the, the fact that they are in this conversation with a relative unknown at quarterback is wild to me. I would push back on that. I mean, I, I think they're very close to the top when it comes to the rest of their skill position players, and they do have some advantages, but the two teams that I would probably rank above them would be Philadelphia and Cincinnati and Philly. I, I think they have one of, if not the best offensive lines in football, Cincinnati would be the other one that I would choose. In addition to, of course, two wide receivers and AJ Brown <laughs> and, um, the Devonte Smith. Devonte Smith. Sorry, the Heisman winner from Alabama, and the, the running back room is a little bit bare. I think Dallas Goddard is every bit as good of a pass catcher as George Kittle. Probably not as good of a blocker. Um, and then I think Cincinnati probably lacks in the tight end department, but they make up for that, of course, with their wide receiver room. And I think Joe Mixon is not as good as Christian McCaffrey, but he is a quality running back. Sorry, you want to say something? Well, I'm just saying none of those guys have Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is the key that unlocks this whole thing for the San Francisco 49ers. He is, I don't know, it's it's difficult for me to, it's difficult to sum up just how important he is to this offense. Everything that he does is perfect for the Kyle Shanahan system, and there's no one else out there that does what he does. I understand what you're saying. Philadelphia 100% has a better offensive line than the 49ers, although quietly they are getting up there in age and I think there are some cracks forming they were playing with injuries all year long last year not saying I expect it to happen again um but you're right they have a better offensive line the wide receiver room for the Bengals maybe them and I don't know the Dolphins the, the two best wide receiver rooms in the NFL uh, you could also throw maybe the Bills in there that's a really good wide receiver room I just don't think there is someone who can match up with Christian McCaffrey specifically, of course, talent level, what he brings his versatility, but just in terms of fit on a roster and, and fit in a play style, I don't think there's a, a more, I don't know, valuable piece that at the same time fits so perfectly within a system as Christian McCaffrey does with the 49ers. Maybe I'm, 
maybe you know, I have my 49ers glasses on and I, I can't see clearly, but it just seems to me like where the 49ers have d- some deficiencies elsewhere, where they are miles and miles better just looking at a, a skill position group um, is the running back position because McCaffrey is the most unique weapon in football and fits so perfectly into what the 49ers are trying to do. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not mad at that. And and look, I think calling them a, a top three, you know, group of weapons is, is no slight. Uh, but but there's also a reason that Christian McCaffrey is such a great fit and is so valuable. And that's because they need him to be like he, he has to be that guy in order for this offense to perform at the level that it did last season. In many ways, he unlocked, you know, the the openings for Brock Purdy because there was so much focus on him. I mean, the guy touched the ball 380 times last year, nearly 250 of which for the 49ers. Like, he was a bell cow. That that guy took so much pressure off of everyone else, and he's probably a reason that we're we're expecting, you know, Debo Samuel to get back to his old self, that Brandon Ayuk can level up this year at receiver, that George Kittle can continue to do big things in the passing game. It's because it all starts with the number 23, and if they're successful on the ground, if they're successful with Christian McCaffrey catching balls out of the backfield, then they're going to put up a lot of points. And so I, I do hear you that Christian McCaffrey is the quote-unquote trump card of the 49ers offense. But I think when you look at the rest of the offenses in the NFL at the very, very, very top, um, I, I don't think it's just head and shoulders above everyone but he is the reason why there is so much confidence in this offense to even be considered in the top three or top five when you don't have a quarterback that right now can throw a football. Yeah, no, 100%. You're right. Just a couple of numbers that I think drive home this point about Christian McCaffrey. Look at the 49ers offense before the trade. The 49ers in 2022, pre-McCaffrey, were 21st in DVOA. That is defense-adjusted value over average. So in general, it tries to calculate a team's success based on down and, and distance of each play. And then, you know, it, it compares that to, uh, you know, the average, league average. Uh, they were 21st in that pre-McCaffrey, first after the trade. They were 19th in EPA per play, expected points added per play before the trade, first after the trade, 26th in QBR. Uh, second in QBR after the trade, 10th in yards per attempt before the trade, second in yards per attempt after the Christian McCaffrey trade. Now, I know I'm, I'm just throwing out numbers, but the, the trend is 49ers offense, middle of the pack at best with Christian McCaffrey, elite, elite, elite with Christian McCaffrey. And there are other players, of course, that can have a big impact like that. But the one we saw, the single player that we saw change teams have the biggest impact uh, for his new team was Christian McCaffrey. No doubt about that. And I know you're not arguing that I'm just throwing out some stats to, to try to bring home my point. Um, but Christian McCaffrey on this 49ers team is the X factor is the weapon is the person is the single individual player that makes everything else work as, as good as it was working at the end of last year. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. This is the 4 on Fivers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Please download the Odyssey app, rate us, subscribe to us there. Evan Giddings, Mark Grandy with you as always. Uh, only got a couple minutes left here, Mark, but I do want to get into something fun that we brought up, which was your favorite or more ridiculous, define, depending on how you define it, rumor that a 49er player or coach or front office member, whoever you like to slice it, was involved in this offseason. Um, well, there's a lot of, I mean, they were basically tied to every single potential free agent player out there. The first one that came to mind for me, uh, was Lamar Jackson. Uh, I remember people specifically asking John Lynch about that. It's like, well, we're doing our due diligence. We'll do all this. Of course, he was in that contract dispute with the Ravens. It ultimately got worked out. He's staying a Baltimore Raven. Um, but the fact that I know you and I talked about it a lot on at least one episode, not necessarily saying that we thought it was possible or that it would happen, but just could you imagine what the offense would look like with Lamar Jackson is, is what we talked about. Um, but the fact that that, that was even uh, something that people on Twitter, people even thought possible for a moment or even anything more than absolutely impossible uh, kind of uh, – Amused me a little bit. There's no chance in hell that was ever happening for the 49ers, just simply from a financial point of view. Um, so that one stood out to me. That one was was quite the fun rumor. 49ers attached, attracted, rumored to be in the race for former MVP Lamar Jackson. That one was fun. Yeah, I don't know. I That one actually didn't come to mind at all just because of how many different conversations the 49ers have been in, both real and unrealistic, about quarterbacks. Uh, but the one that did come to mind that did involve a quarterback was the one just after the end of the season. Hmm. And that was Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> saying that the 49ers had called his camp last year when Jimmy Garoppolo went down. And I know that I think Philip Rivers was also involved <laughs> in that. Say. That one made more sense to me because at least he admitted that he was the one that called the 49ers. And so I do believe that he legitimately picked up the phone and did that. But a retired Ben Roethlisberger is allegedly saying that he was called by the 49ers to you know, pique his interest about maybe returning to a team that was in the final four, maybe making a Super Bowl, and he politely declined. <laughs> that one to me was just utterly ridiculous. And uh, I, I don't believe Ben Roethlisberger whatsoever. That was a good one. You're right. Uh, I, I kind of forgot about that one until you started talking about this was right at the end of the offseason. I remember it coming out and us talking about it. Um, that one is surprising because you can understand, you know, rumors like the Lamar Jackson one I brought up. He's obviously an elite quarterback when healthy in this league. Uh, if there was any truth to that, I would simply ask Kyle Shanahan one question. Like, did you watch the last three years of Ben Roethlisberger in, Pitts in Pittsburgh? Because my goodness, that was the most difficult football I've ever had to watch in my life. Yeah, he probably would look a little better with the 49ers considering the weapons that they have that we just got done talking about. But my God, if you're going to resort to giving Ben Roethlisberger a call, my goodness, you deserve everything that's coming to you. So I'm with you. I'm not so sure how much I believe in this story, um, but it, it was a particularly amusing rumor. You're right. And I don't know, maybe a member of his offensive staff made the call and he was <laughs> later relieved of his duties or demoted. I I've really I have no clue. The other one, Mark, that I thought of was, well, it, it had to involve Trey Lance at, at some point. Uh, yeah. Any any rumor thrown out there. But the one that I thought was 
maybe it was realistic. Who knows? But I thought it was funny that Trey Lance for Kirk Cousins was <laughs> tossed out this offseason. And I thought about you when this popped into my head, of course, because of your love slash disdain for Kirk Cousins. No, not slash, just disdain, not love. No, no, no. Uh, no, it's it, it's okay. We we know deep down, but 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 Trey Lance uh, deep down, I'm sure had no intention of going to Minnesota. And I know deep down, I feel like the 49ers had no intention of trading him there. And I also don't think the Minnesota Vikings ever wanted to trade Kirk Cousins for Trey Lance. I don't know where that came from. Uh, hey, you, Trey Lance is a Minnesota kid. You tell me he doesn't want to go play in the Twin Cities. Come on, he's not. All right, we do we I don't want to play the geography game, but Marshall He's from Marshall, so, right? Yeah. It's nowhere near the Twin Cities. It's his like, home state though. Yeah, okay, but that's like saying uh let's see. Um oh, I got you. So, you're from Redding, <laughs> California, right? And you want to play for your local team, the San Francisco 49ers. That is how far the gap is between Marshall and St. Paul. It's like a 2 2 and a half hour drive. I know Redding or sorry, uh Redding's further, but well, yeah, but I mean, like, it's it's the closest National Football League team to you, right? So just based on geography. I mean, by, by process of elimination. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're you're in the middle of nowhere in the great north. North, But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. That was the fact that it was a Trey Lance for Kirk Cousins trade struck me as kind of wild. Um, I, I, I do think potentially the Vikings are in kind of an awkward state where they might be trying to look to acquire a young quarterback. I don't know, but you're right. The fact that it was just a straight up Lance for cousins deal is wild to me. I know we got to run, but one more I will throw out to you kind of just to poke fun at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one that was still kind of fun and still is kind of fun. TV. The whole, uh, the whole Tom Brady coming out of retirement again for the 49ers. I know that's been your hot take for a while. I don't know if you're sticking to it at this point of the off season. Anything is still possible. You never know. Maybe Tom Brady is getting that itch once again. Um, but I never believe that was going to happen. I know I'm, I'm not really sticking my neck out there because it, it seems very unlikely. Uh, but that one was kind of fun to me. Hey, all I'm going to say, TB12 is just a Brock Purdy setback away. <laughs> Uh, and a Trey Lance setback and a Sam Darnold setback and a Brandon Allen setback or what? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I, I hope we don't have to find out. I hope so too. You're right. But Tom Brady, I will put nothing past, past that man. He is a psychopath <laughs> and a, just a scary, uh, insane and competitive person. And, you know, if he activates himself in two more years, I, I don't know if I'd be necessarily shocked. I don't know. If, it won't be with the 49ers, but may, hey, Raiders might need a quarterback depending on if Jimmy G can't pass that physical. Well, and he's looking to what? Buy a, an ownership stake in the Raiders too? I think he's already a part of the ownership Is, is, is that official now? I know that I read something about there would be a lot of paperwork or legality things he would have to go through if he were to want to play for the Raiders because he was a part owner of the team. It's not happening. He's not coming back. He's not playing NFL football again. I believe it was Michael Jordan as general manager (laughs) of the Washington Wizards who activated himself in 2001, Uh... two and a half years after he officially retired from the Chicago Bulls. I'm just saying that is the level of maniac that I think that Tom Brady is. And if he did it, Honestly, I'd, I'd be totally here for it. I would, I would love every second of it. Oh, I'd eat it up 100%. It's just, I, it's not happening. Well, 
this episode happened, Mark. That's for <laughs> damn sure. And that'll wrap up this edition of the 415ers podcast. Please download, rate, and subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you download your podcast from. That is Mark Grandy. I'm Evan Giddings. We'll be coming at you next uh, this Thursday for our second episode of the week. We appreciate you tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. 